Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. Today, I've got best-selling author Brendan Kane on this episode. Now, you probably know him from his first book, One Million Followers in 30 Days. He got his start promoting movies and was the first person to use social media influencers to get buzz for films. He turned that experience into working alongside people like Taylor Swift, Charles Barkley, and other celebrities that you probably know. Now, his latest book is called Hook Point, How to Stand Out in a Three-Second World. Here's another episode where you'll probably need to take a lot of notes. And it was a treat talking to Brandon. Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, a success podcast. And today, I have my friend, Brandon Kane. Brandon, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Dude, well, you've been making some noise all over social media and just media in general. Congrats on that. I love both of your books. I've read them. Uh, I have notes on all of them. But your latest one called Hook Point, what, what is Hook Point? Tell me. Yeah, so uh, the, the, the first place to start is really understanding the world that we live in today. Uh, because if you think back to pre-social media to today, the world has dramatically shifted. So going back to 2001, there's you know maybe a million content creators on the planet and that content was heavily regulated. In order to distribute content, you had to go through a newspaper, a television station, a radio station to get your message out to the masses. Maybe you were able to create a blog, but it wasn't as easy as, as it is today. So then you fast forward to today, 2021, there's 3.96 billion content creators on the planet. Every single one of them are creating content for they, the people that they care about the most, their friends, their family, their loved ones. So those 3.96 billion content creators are producing upwards of 100 billion messages sent out in the world every single day. So that proposes a very unique challenge for anybody that is trying to stand out. Anybody that's trying to get their message out there, their product sold, their service into the right hands. So that's our core specialty. You know, we've been in this, doing this for 16 years. So I started in social media back in 2004, 2005, all the way back to the earliest stages of Friendster and MySpace. So we've been doing this over and over again and looking back on our career and, and, and how we've had success, uh, we distilled it down into a physics of delivering a message. So if we think back to science class and, we're and the science teacher is teaching us about space travel, they talk about escape velocities. And in order to put something into orbit, you have to reach escape velocity to overcome gravity. Well, the same goes for generating marketing or messages in today's world. You have to overcome these billions of messages that are sent out into the world every single day. So this physics of delivering a message is called a hook point. Now, there's three aspects that you have to master 
in order to successfully generate a hook point. So there's first, you know, grabbing attention. So you have to win the attention in the first three seconds because without that, you get lost in the noise. Would you say you, on that really quick, on the hook point for the first three seconds, would you say that it's even less on platforms like TikTok or are we still looking at the same three seconds? Listen, that three seconds can be variable. It can be a, a, a fraction of a second. It could be one second, it'd be two seconds. It could be three seconds. We use three seconds really as a benchmark as one of the ratios that we study of like the number of views to, to um, reach because most of these platforms don't count a view until three seconds. So uh -huh. that's kind of where we have that, but it doesn't have to be clearly just three seconds. It can be less than that. The, the big takeaway is you have to grab attention right away as soon as your content loads in that scroll. Perfect. So, so it's that first start is, is grabbing the attention because without grabbing the attention, you get lost. But then once you have the attention, how long do you hold that attention for? Because grabbing attention without substance doesn't really mean anything. You know, you need to have substance to your message. And then third and finally is how are you monetizing that attention? Because without monetization, what good does attention give you? Even if you're a nonprofit trying to raise donations, if you generate a bunch of attention and then nobody donates, it doesn't mean anything. Now, does that mean that every single post should be selling something? No, but you need to have business models attached to these efforts of grabbing and holding attention. So that's really what a hook point is and why a hook point is important and kind of how it birthed in our experience of entering into this new world that we find ourselves in. All right, so, so with that, we're talking to solopreneurs, entrepreneurs here with, with Success, uh, with Success Magazine. Help me, help me help them when it comes to content, right? Following these three steps for a great hook point, what do you normally tell the clients that hire you? Like you've helped out some of the most amazing people, my, Taylor Swift, Katie Kirk, and some other awesome people that you're probably helping now. But what's that message you say, hey guys, I need you to deliver to this content and here's how I need it. Uh, what would you say to the solopreneurs, entrepreneurs? What's that content look like? And what platforms do they go to? Well, first you have to, to do your research. It's just amazing how few people when they're creating content actually start with research. Most of the time they're starting with like brand guidelines, but nobody really goes to social media to look at content and say, oh, is the brand guidelines integrated? Is the color <laughs> and the, 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 the tone and all of that matching so that I'm gonna engage with that content. It just doesn't work that way. So what we talk a lot about in terms of grabbing that attention is pattern interruption. Is you have to get the, the scroll to stop. And the only way to really get the scroll to stop is to identify the pattern of the other content that they're consuming, your competitors and beyond, because most people when they open up Instagram, it's not like competitor after competitor after competitor. It's they just watch LeBron James dunk a basketball. They watch Kim Kardashian talking about fashion. Kevin Hart tells a joke. Maybe one of your competitors shows up, but most of the time it doesn't. So understanding and doing the research of the patterns of content that is working and not working. So most people may pay attention to the stuff that works, but they don't look at the stuff that doesn't work. So that research phase is critically important. And that's what we, where we start with all of our clients. We're getting an understanding of 
What content formats, what content themes, what story structures are working and also not working so that we can know what not to do and also gives us a, a hypothesis of where to start. Because we don't wanna reinvent the wheel because there's millions of data points out in the world that can inform our content decisions. So in advising anybody, whether it's a solopreneur, all the way up to companies that are doing 25 billion a year in revenue, we take the same process and it always starts with research. And then we use that research to inform our initial creative decisions, our, our hypothesis. We have a creative um, driven approach to coming up with the ideas. Now, the other important distinction that we always start with is single uh, production iteration. Most people, what they're gonna do is they're gonna do a slate of content. So they're gonna produce five, 10, 15, 20 pieces of content at a, at a time, and then just put it out into the world. And then it all falls flat and they don't know why. Versus we take each piece of content individually, create it, produce it, measure the results to see if our hypothesis held true, and then use those learnings to go back into the research phase and reprodu reproducing that over and over and over again. So would you say for, for people that are trying to use social media to grow their, their brand and their business, would you say, hey, look, test out small excerpts instead of bulking it all in one, one go and see what's working and go slow? Is that what you're telling me? Yes. It's, okay. it's take one piece of content at a time. It's, and this is like, people ask me, well, what type of, you know, content, um, posting platform do you use? Do you use a, a sprout social or something like that to schedule content? And we don't because we feel like it's disconnected from the process that you need to be following. And so, so many people are caught up in scheduling out posts. So I need to have a post every day or every two days or every three days. And then it gets lost in their process versus let's do our research. Let's identify a hypothesis of something that we believe is gonna work. And let's produce one piece of content to test that hypothesis, look at the analytics and data, see what worked, what didn't work, and then move on to the next piece of content and doing that process that way. Versus, hey, let's produce 15 pieces of content and let's schedule it out over the next 45 days. And let's just hope something goes viral. That, that's just not a recipe for success. It sounds like that's the recipe most people go with, though. <laughs> so, oh, it is. Know. That's why 99% of people fail at social media. <laughs> that's so funny, man. So funny you say that. So you treat it like a science. I remember you, you came up with your first book, which was 1 million followers in 30 days, right? That was mm -hmm. the first book you came up with. I read it. I didn't know you then. Then we reached out to you and then we connected. Great book. Then you came up with Hook Point, And now you're saying, well, you know what? you should probably read hook point first and then the million followers book. Is that right? Is that the right cadence? Yeah, because people, uh, you know, people are so focused on follower growth, which listen, 1 million followers will break it down uh, of how to, to generate that. But at the end of the day, if your content's not dialed in, those followers don't mean as much, you know, because the, the reality of the situation is going back to how we started, 100 billion messages sent out on these platforms every day, this thing called the algorithm has a very difficult job. Now, we don't need to dive into a deep explanation of what an algorithm is, just simply know that the algorithm 
has one job and one job only, and that's to keep you on the platform longer. Because that's how these platforms make money, is yeah. the longer you're on the platform, the more ads they can serve you. So if you or I or anybody listening to this were to open up any social platform right now, mm-hmm. there's probably at least a thousand pieces of content it could seed to you based upon all the people that you follow, all the content you've engaged with. So this thing called the algorithm has to sit there and say, well, I know I can't push a thousand pieces of content to this individual as soon as they open up the app because it would be overwhelming and they would leave. So I need to prioritize, well, what are the top 15 posts that I believe are gonna retain this individual's attention for as long as possible? Which means 985 out of those thousand posts are getting deprioritized, getting suppressed, never going to reach you. So in terms of generating followers, you know, generating followers, uh, it isn't easy, but it's pretty simple. And that book breaks it down. But if you generate all of these followers and then your content is not dialed in for what the algorithms are looking for, then your content's gonna get suppressed and it's not gonna reach the people that you've gained as followers. So that, that has really shifted. And that's where people talk about um, or just focus on followers, they focus on frequency, they focus on hashtags, all of these things, which worked at one point, five, six, seven, or eight years ago, because there's less people on the platform. There's less people producing content. But the more people that enter social media, the more people that um, get on these platforms, the more content that's produced, the algorithms have to get stricter and stricter and stricter. Now people will say, oh, the algorithms are there just to get you to pay for reach. Mm-hmm. That's not true, because if that was true, then nobody would go viral without paying for it. But I could show you plenty of examples of people that are starting from scratch that are not huge corporations or or never spend a dollar on advertising and go massively viral. So that's where we really start with um, hook point of really understanding the fundamentals of how you play to what the algorithms want, which is two things is, do you stop the scroll? Do you grab the attention? Because without that, People just scroll past, that's the first signal to the algorithm that this is not gonna retain. And then number two is once you stop the scroll, earn that attention, how long are you holding it for? So those are the two metrics. If you do that successfully, it doesn't matter what platform we talk about or what algorithm change happens, you will ultimately be successful. Now, that isn't easy, but it's pretty simple. You just gotta do those two things. So that's like the past 16 years, you know, we focused and mastered on in developing this, this um, hook point formula. Dude, that's, that's pretty awesome. I, I wrote, stop the scroll and hold it, right? Pretty easy, but you've got a formula, which I want to get into because uh, you have a process communication model. I want to get into that. But first, I have a question for you. From all the amazing people you've helped out, What's one of the coolest stories you have where you, you helped them and you've got this amazing result and you're like, whoa, this is awesome. Do you have a story like that you can share with us? Well, I think an interesting story is, is going back to the beginning of all this. So I think it was like 2006, 2007, you know, I was working for a movie studio and this studio was like a mid-level studio. So our films were in the budgets of like 10 to 50 million which for some people that don't know the movie movie industry may seem like a lot, but when you consider like the big blockbusters who budgets are 150 million plus and their marketing budgets are even more, it's kind of small. 
So we needed to really be scrappy and find ways to, to stand out with, with our films. And the interesting thing was about a film is you don't have years or decades to build a brand. You have months, you have less than a year to do it. So at the time, you know, I was just studying the market and this new platform kind of emerged and it was called YouTube. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. And you know, my role at the time is I was just starting out as an assistant, so I had no marketing budgets. I had to find a way to kind of do things to stand out. So I just was doing research on YouTube and I was like, wow, there's these kids that are getting millions of views on this platform. Maybe, you know, I can craft a strategy where I reach out to them and just say, hey, do you want to interview a movie star? Because I was working on this movie called Crank uh, with Jason Statham. And uh, so that's exactly what I did as I interviewed the top or I, I messaged the top 100 people with audiences. Again, th at this time, there's no such thing as an influencer. It, it didn't exist. And I basically just said, hey, do you want to interview a movie star? And we got four or five of the biggest YouTubers at the time to engage with us with no fee. I didn't pay them anything. Because again, influencers didn't exist. Brands didn't reach out to them. Brands didn't you know, connect with them with interesting opportunities. So I think that that was really an interesting story that, that paid huge dividends for us because this smaller movie, I think the budget was like nine or 10 million compared to a typical action movie where the budgets were 100 million plus, we were able, able to really stand out, grab attention for little to no mm. money by tapping into these pre-existing traffic sources. Dude, I love that. So what are you doing right now that's working really well for, for some of your clients, like some of the celebrity clients and big businesses that you're helping? Well, it's really intertwining this, this hook point formula. So we work with companies across the board. Like, as you know, we're working with Keller Williams. We work with nanotechnology companies. We work with lead generation companies. We work with fashion companies. And the interesting thing is, it doesn't really matter what industry we work in, the principles always stay the same in terms of this hook point formula. Now there's mm -hmm. three core pillars to how we approach it. Because as I mentioned, it's not easy, but it's simple. Like it's not a matter of, hey, we just produce content and all of, all of a sudden it goes viral or we produce an ad and all of a sudden we're making millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. you know, there is a process to it. So th the three core pillars is for grabbing attention, we have a content viral engineering process where we actually engineer virality to the tune of, we've used it to generate over 50 billion views online and over hundred million followers for our clients and the projects we've worked on. But then when we move to the, the holding attention, that's where we have this communication algorithm of how do we contextualize our message to make sure that it connects with the widest audience possible make sure that it communicates not just to the conscious mind, but also to the subconscious mind, because communication is everything. And then the third, in terms of the monetization, we have business innovation and business models that we've developed by working with some of Silicon Valley's top companies, companies that have generated billions of dollars in years instead of decades. So I just wanted to share that because we really dive deep into you know, grabbing attention, holding attention, and monetizing attention. Uh, there's there's a, a deep level of, of thought and psychology that goes into how we master each one of those things. And we apply that to all of the clients that we work with, whether they're a celebrity, an athlete, a pre-revenue company, uh, a huge media conglomerate that's doing 25 billion a year in revenue. 
uh, it's the same process that we take them through. Dude, I, I love that. That's that's really awesome. So what has what's one of your favorite celebrities that you worked with? Just going to throw that out there. Yeah, I think that the uh, experience of working with Taylor Swift was was really fascinating. Um, I think that some people don't give Taylor enough credit. You mm -hmm. know, Taylor is the reason for her success. She didn't have a huge marketing budget. She didn't have uh, a huge record label behind her. It was her herself. And, you know, she was brilliant when it came to understanding how do we maximize this new medium of social social media. She understood, and this is, again, a huge mistake that people make with social media. Most people think social media is a one-to-many platform. It's not. Social media is a one-to-one -one platform. Because when you're consuming social media, you're not sitting with thousands of people watching it together. It's not like you're sitting in a movie theater. You're on your phone by yourself consuming this content. And that's what she understood. She understood the, the power and the value of one-to-one -one connection with her fans, with new audiences. She understood that each time she took a photo with a fan, responded to a comment, signed an autograph, that it built that one-to-one -one connection to the point where it was building these brand advocates. So when she responded to a comment, now that fan was not just a fan for life, but it was somebody who was gonna share it with everybody they knew. And with social media today, it's no longer you just show up at school or at the office and you're just communicating to five or six people. It's with that share, it can reach hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people. So that's what she mastered. Now, when she grew and her, her stardom um, rose to the next level, she even took her strategy to the next level because she's realized like, listen, I can't engage with millions of fans one-on-one. -on -one. So that's when she started to go to bridal showers, birthday parties, have sleepovers. And she would film this and would release it and it would go viral because the fans watching that, even if they're not there, they see, well, Taylor cares about me. The way the content was structured, it was almost as if you were there. So again, she even distributing the content to millions of people, she still made it a one-to-one -one communication channel. That's pretty powerful, dude. I was taking some notes there because you said something that I see. I see the the best influencers do, and that's social media is a one to one connection, and they make you feel like that's very true, right? Even though they have millions of followers, so I, I love that. Now let's get let's get right back into what I wanted to talk about with you, and that's something you brought up in the first book the the million the 1 million followers and that's the process communication model can you go through that because you have six different personality types and that when you wrote that down dude i must have i must have gone like at least 10 times back to that page or those pages because it's so important yeah so as I mentioned, we have a communication algorithm and, and really what we've identified is communication is math. You know, there's six different ways that people perceive the world. We have access to all six, but typically we perceive the world using one or two as our strengths and then the rest are weaknesses. And by understanding our strengths and other people's strengths or understanding the, the, the different ways that people perceive the world, it allows you to broaden and diversify your message to connect with the widest possible audience. You know, we see in working with brands 
that oftentimes they're communicating to less than 30% of their target audience. Because right. if you look at it, you know, a marketing director or a solopreneur that's creating content, if you perceive the world in a certain way, that's gonna dictate how your, your communication and content is gonna come out. Yeah. So the six different ways is, um, the biggest is feelings and emotions. It's 30% of the population. So these people perceive the world okay. about how it makes them feel. That's how they're gonna make decisions to buy something, follow something, engage with it. The second largest is thoughts and logic. They wanna, it, want, it needs to make sense to them. It's who, what, when, where, why, data and facts. The third largest is um, fun and humor. That's their currency. They wanna know, is this gonna be exciting to watch? Is this brand gonna be fun to engage? Is this product going to be um, fun when I enhance, when I buy it, is it gonna enhance my life in some way? 10% is values and opinions. They wanna know, can I trust it? Are you as a brand committed to me? Another 10% is um, imagination, reflections. So if you ever hear the story about Albert Einstein and the way he came up with his best ideas, he would stare out in the window for eight hours and just reflect on the world and everything that was happening around him. And then the last one, 5% is actions. So they're not thinking, they're not feeling, they're not believing, they just go. If you ever see Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, what is he doing? He's running the entire movie. That's how <laughs> he engages with, I mean, there's memes and, th and funny videos about it, <laughs> but that's, that's, and that's his real personality in life. That's why he's literally hanging off on planes or that stunt where he broke his ankle jumping from one building to a next. That incidence is what fuels him. So if we look at somebody creating marketing materials, and let's just say they perceive the world through values and opinions, and they're communicating that way and saying, I believe that you need to buy this product because it's really because I'm committed to you and you should trust me. That type of language is only speaking to 10% of the population. Thus, it's disconnecting from 90% and potentially even alienating or turning that 90% against you. So when we're working on content, we are basically shifting that communication. So I can give you an example, and you've heard this from our other calls, is let's just say for the sake of argument, we're selling a house. Now, how do most people sell houses today? They say, okay, this house has five bedrooms, 1,200 square feet on an acre of land. So that is all thoughts and logic. So that's only speaking to 25%. So if I were to use this model to broaden this message about the house, I could start the same way. I could say, this house is five bedrooms, it's 1200 square feet on an acre of land. And when you look at this fireplace in this living room, just imagine sitting around it with your family on Christmas Eve, opening up presents and how good it's gonna feel to be in this comfortable setting with the people that you care about and love the most. And did you check out this backyard, that pool? You are gonna have the craziest, wildest parties because of that diving board and that water slide. Everybody's gonna be jealous of you because this is the best. This is the best backyard, this is the best pool in the neighborhood. And I really believe that everything that you've told me about what you're looking for, this is the right house for you. So I took it from 25% to 100% of the audience, just yeah. intertwining different languages. Now, some people get concerned and they're like, oh, 
Well, are you gonna change who I am? I need to stay core to my brand. Did I change anything about the house? No, I just contextualized the different elements to reach the way that different people communicate. So when we work with clients, we never change who they are. Mm-hmm. It's just, we contextualize it so the most amount of people can actually hear it. Do you do you ever have clients lead with one of those first because that's who they are more of and then and then bring the rest of them in? Or, or do they yeah, always so lead we, with one? No, but we, we tend to focus on the big three, feelings, facts, and fun, because that represents 75%. So when we work with clients, uh, we do a communication assessment of them. So we understand exactly what their communication strengths and weaknesses are uh, to, to help shape it and work with them. Now, again, we typically will want to lead with either feelings, facts, or fun because it's the largest segment. One of the things that we try and avoid at all costs is not leading with um, either beliefs and opinions, because again, that's only 10%, or action-based language, because that's 5%. Because the one thing you want to avoid is telling people what to do. Because only 15% of the population likes to be told what to do. And even Uh. there, there's an issue. Because if we think back to childhood, there's a transference experience that you have when people tell you what to do. Because you go back to that teacher or to that parent or somebody that told you, you can't do this, you can't do that. And then that bubbles up in your subconscious and automatically turns you off to a message. That That makes a lot of sense, man. I love that. So how did you, how did you come to this process? Cause every time I talk to you, I, I realize more that you've, you've really made this, this whole thing, like a science experiment, like, Hey, look, this is what you start with. And this is what you do. And you can repeat the process. If you just go and do these things, how did that come about? Well, I mean, marketing and business and life is a science experiment and anybody that doesn't think it is, uh, probably aren't really succeeding or gonna stagnate with growth. So with us, even today, using these principles, we're always constantly growing and learning and iterating and improving. So I see everything as a science experience. I see everything, success or failure, as a learning experience to fuel the growth of what we bring to the world. So, I mean, this has been ingrained in me ever since I was a little kid of this constant exploration of figuring out how things work figuring out kind of how to motivate people to do things, to listen to what you have to say, uh, to, to perform a specific action. I love that, dude. So tell me, you're, you're noticing TikTok's picking up steam, short video, YouTube just announced that everyone's got shorts now with all these short videos. What do you think is the play on short video? Is it the same idea where you focus on the big three, feelings, facts, and fun? And, or, or is it something else when it comes to short video? It's the same thing. It's the same formula. Grabbing attention, holding attention, and monetizing attention. It doesn't matter if it's 30 seconds or 30 minutes. Same principles apply across the board. You know, when people look at these new formats or these new platforms, you know, typically what we see is there's an opportunity. And initially our hypothesis was that they want to push it to more people to get them to adopt it. But then we realized we think it's less about that and more that there's less people producing content for those formats. So like YouTube Shorts is super new. So it's not that YouTube is pushing Shorts harder. Yes, there's prime placement for it, but there's less people creating content for it because it's a new format. The same happened with um, stories on Instagram and Reels. 
So that's where we see kind of the opportunity. And then TikTok, again, you know, people were growing viral and, and, and growing super quick because there was less competition on the platform. Now, as more people enter it, the more competition, those algorithms really kick in and have to be more strict with what content they distribute. All right. So with that, is there anything that you're you're paying attention to a little bit more in the in the next coming months because you see it changing or is it still the same focus on, on what you're currently doing? Anything that you same. can help us with? Same? Same focus. Yeah. Again, uh, my philosophy, right or wrong, I just share what we've learned and what works for us. My philosophy is I'd rather be late than early um, because mm. being early, we don't know if these platforms are going to work. We don't know what the longevity of it is. In addition, being late, you let other people figure out what works and what doesn't. Now, the downside of that is early, you get early into any of these platforms and you have a greater chance of standing out and being successful, but it doesn't guarantee that. So from my philosophy and the way that I've had success is I, I'd, I'd rather be a little bit late to the game, let other people figure it out, really see if this platform's me along, along for the, the, the long haul and then dedicate you know resources in terms of researching it and reverse engineering it. Got it. And are you currently diving into Clubhouse then, or is that something you're putting off a little bit? I was early into it and I kind of stopped. I just, um, I have some concerns and those concerns are starting to kind of really show that, you know, that my major concern was people burning themselves out, especially the influential people, um, because they dove in super hard, spent a tremendous amount of time and energy into it. And subsequently, a lot of those people have left the platform or said they're taking a break, which to me means that they're probably not going back. I'm not going to say that Clubhouse is dead. Um, I just have chosen to focus my time in other places because to me, you've got the big three, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You also have LinkedIn. There's still so much opportunity there. There's billions of people on these platforms. Um, again, I'm not saying that going early and focusing heavily on a TikTok or, um, you know, a clubhouse can't yield results. It can. I know people that are being successful. I just would rather, you know, tap into to platforms where there's billions of people. There's um, a known uh, algorithm or at least an understanding of how the business works. There's a mature advertising platform which dictates a lot about what happens on these platforms, both from a paid and organic perspective, uh, so that we can really focus our energy over the long term, you know, for our clients and, and, and our goals. I love that. So when this is a question that I have personally, man, when when a company goes to you, what do they typically ask for? Hey, hey, Brandon, I want to go to you to to help me grow my following or just to help my awareness. Which one do you get more of? It depends. Like I would even say even more is they want revenue growth. They have goals. They want to grow their business. Now, some of them may think, oh, if I grow my following or grow my awareness, it's automatically going to equate to that business growth, which it can, if you have the foundational business models uh, in place. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, typically I will not I will not work with a client on growing their following until we have a content strategy and I see a clear business plan, or we help them develop a clear business plan, or we help them develop new business models, because this all needs to be sustainable. You know, it's, it's like, if you don't have a sustainable way 
of, of generating revenue, generating growth, then you're going to quit early into it. That's very true, man. Very true. And in your book, uh, the first one, how to the, the 1 million followers in 30 days, you outline three things, you hypothesize, test and pivot. Can you go over that a little bit? Because that's how you said overall, that's how you make it happen. But obviously, it's a lot deeper than that. But can you touch on that? Yeah, again, going back to our viral content engineering process, it's you do the research to find a hypothesis. And then you create that single iteration production of that hypothesis. You put it out into the world, either paid or organic, to test it, to measure the results. And then you look at those results, even if they are successful, and you refine the next piece of content. So you pivot slightly. Now you may pivot completely and just say, listen, that format is not working for us, or we need to make a slight pivot on how we use this format. And then you, re you reproduce that over and over and over again. Got it. I love that, man. So tell me, what are you, what are you excited about in the next, in the next year when it comes to social media, anything that's got you excited? I, I wouldn't say that there is anything new. I think it's just continuously bringing this formula to the world because this is mm -hmm. what people are missing. They are either completely, I would say 99% of people are missing the boat on those first three seconds of grabbing the attention. They are. And then there's a vast majority uh, of that subset that still don't even know how to hold the attention properly once they grab it. Because most people are still using principles, marketing principles, content principles that were yeah. developed pre-social media. And as we started That's off, true. the world is completely shifted. So to me, it's like our mission is to help people to have the ability to to transform it in a positive way that just they're just their messages being suppressed or they just don't know how to kind of play to the algorithms and bringing this um, formula, this physics of delivering a message to the masses. So that I would say that that's the most exciting part for me. I love that. And what do you think of, of apps like community and adding that to, to your social media marketing channels. Is that something that you think is good or does it detract from, from social media? It depends on how you use it. So it's a very powerful tool. I've loved what they've built, but how are you using it? When you send a message through community, when you send a text message, how is it grabbing attention? How is it holding that attention? And how is it monetizing that attention? Because if you just use it and you're just like hawking stuff and just like trying to sell things, sell something and sell something and sell something versus I'm going to use this platform to further engage and amplify what I'm already doing on Instagram or YouTube, because the dynamics of sending a message through community is different than TikTok and TikTok's different than YouTube and YouTube's different than Instagram. So the concern that I have is a lot of people have been told you need to distribute your message on every platform that you can think of. Get your message out to many places as possible. Can that be successful? Yes, if you have a hyper-focused strategy for each one of those platforms. But if you're just signing up for that platform to, say, to send the same content you produce on TikTok through a text message, or the same content from YouTube to a text message or vice versa, it's ultimately not gonna fall, it's ultimately gonna fall flat and, and ultimately you're just diluting your efforts and it's gonna be harder to, to master one one mode of communication. 
Dude, I love that answer because then you, you're telling me if you're going to go on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, and everywhere else, your message has to be slightly different for some of those, right? It can't be the same all across every single time with the same video and the same words. Is that what you're telling me? Is that what I heard? Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be a different message, but it's how you deliver your message. So you're changes. telling me don't don't put the exact same 30 second video across all of your platforms. No. Right? That's that that's just a waste of time, I think, right? It it, it is. Now I'm not going to say that there's not correlations. So, you know, for some clients we'll advise start with TikTok and then use that video with TikTok removing the burn and logo because mm-hmm. that can sometimes negatively trigger the algorithm and then you can upload that to Reels. And then you could test uploading it to YouTube Shorts. Yep. But again, it's like, you've got to understand the consumption behavior of each of these platforms. You've got to understand what the algorithms are looking for that drives reach and distribution. So you have to intelligently design it. I'm not saying there's not instances where we will take a piece of content and distribute it through different platforms, but a majority of the time it doesn't work. And like, to me, it's like, I would get like, listen, if you're going to start with TikTok, get really, really good at TikTok. And once you get really good at TikTok, then you can test taking that content and uploading it to Reels or uploading it to YouTube Shorts. But if you're just creating content, you're just throwing it out there to distribute it as many places as possible and you're hoping for the best, you're not engineering success. You're playing off the luck (laughs) factor. That's very true, man. And would you say when it comes to short video, where would you tell people to start? Where, Where they're more comfortable with or would you push them to go to either Reels or TikTok? It depends on the business. Each business is different and unique. Each person's communication strengths are different and unique. Their weaknesses are different and unique. Their resources are different. So we look at a holistic picture and and guide the individual or the brand on where they need to go. Because just giving them like an inside the box that we give to everybody, it just doesn't work. That makes sense, dude. So look, it sounds like if somebody has got a lot of questions on how to grow their brand and and they want to take this seriously, they probably have to contact you. So how do they get a hold of you? Typically on Instagram, Facebook, where do you prefer? Yeah, uh, you can direct message me on Instagram at Brendan Kane. Uh, you could visit our website, hookpoint.com and schedule a call with our team. Uh, you could also just email me directly, uh, B as in boy, Kane, K-A-N-E, at brendanjkane.com. And Brendan is spelled B-R-E-N. D-A-N. And Brandon, I'm going to connect you to a friend of mine that needs your services. So definitely going to do that, man. All right, Brandon, anything else you want to add or should we call it a day? I think we covered a lot of ground. Just know that we did. it's an iterative process. You know, just keep testing, keep learning. Make sure your decisions are based on research, not on gut, not on brand guidelines and things of that nature. And if you keep going, ultimately, you will find the answer that you're looking for. Where do you gravitate to on social media, typically? Like, where where do you naturally go to? Uh, The two primaries are, I would say, Instagram and YouTube, mainly from a research standpoint. Uh, Also, I mean, obviously, we do a lot of research and due diligence on LinkedIn, too. So typically, we get hyper-focused on just the platforms that we're working on for ourselves or are for our clients. And we just are constantly doing the process we walk through. We are 
constantly doing research. Our internal team has, you know, private chat groups where we're passing references back and forth and, and dissecting mm. it every day. I love that, dude. All right. Well, dude, thanks for your time. Appreciate it again. I'll hit you up after. And that's a wrap. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.